Welcome to the KeysCast, the official podcast of Keesler Air Force Base. Each month or so, we'll bring you interesting interviews with people around Keesler about topics that are relevant to you. Hey there, Keesler. I'm Master Sergeant Ryan Crane from Keesler Air Force Base Public Affairs, and this month we are excited to bring you the story of General Paul Tibbetts Jr., the pilot of the Enola Gay, famed warplane used to drop the first atomic bomb. His grandson, General Paul Tibbetts IV, is currently the Deputy Commander of Air Force Global Strike Command. He sat down with us to talk about the life of his grandfather and the impact he left on his airmen and family. All right, so, uh, you know, first of all, can you kind of just set the stage? Uh, Tell me um, a little bit about just the the story of your grandfather and why why his history is so important to the Air Force. Sure, so... uh, Paul Tibbetts IV, we've had four Paul Tibbetses who've served our nation uh, in uniform. So kind of uh, one of those unique things. And uh, literally, it started in World War I with my great-grandfather, my grandfather, uh, my father, and then now me. Uh, two of the four had active duty careers. So my grandfather served 30 years and retired from the Air Force in the, uh, about two months before I was born. And then, of course, myself, I'm coming up on retirement here in a few months. And uh, my father spent 30 years in the Army, uh, both in the Reserves and the Guard. And my great-grandfather actually served in World War I, so as I mentioned before, so pretty cool. Uh, so this, this history of the Tibbetses is, is, uh, is pretty unique and pretty special to, to our family. Uh, I, I jumped in because I wanted to serve. My grandfather jumped in because he wanted to fly. And I always say, aren't we glad that he did? Uh, so really, the story is, is about my grandfather and what he did for our nation and those heroes from World War II that we all celebrate all the time. And uh, I learned that as a, mostly as a guy who had come into the Air Force not knowing my grandfather very well and then over the period of about 20 years getting to know him extremely well. And my, I, my, if I were to give you one statement about my grandfather, I'd say he, he is my hero. Uh, there are other people that will say that and that's fine, but I'm related to him, so I'll claim it even closer. Uh, he is my hero, and I mean that in all sincerity. And I mean it because of just the man that he is and, and, the, and the service that he provided to our nation. And for, as a guy who now has served for 30 years and experienced this, uh, but in his time, he stepped up to the plate, and he performed, and he did what his nation asked him to do. And if he was sitting here today, he would say, you know, I, I wanted to fly airplanes. Uh, my father didn't want me to fly airplanes. My mom was okay with it, not terribly excited about it, but wanted me to pursue my dream. So there's a key statement right there. Mom said, go pursue your dream. And as I reflect on that, I think about, as we talk to our airmen about, hey, do something that you're passionate about, because if it's something you're passionate about, you'll probably do a pretty good job. Well, I think my grandfather did a pretty good job. In fact, I know he did. And it's because he pursued his dream and followed his heart in spite of obstacles that existed at the time in his family. And now if we come to, come to sort of the story about my grandfather, which is what you asked me about, if we come to that story, we, we come to understand that it's extremely unique uh, and special. But at the time, it was something that nobody knew much about and nobody knew kind of how it was going to end up. We had hopes, right? We had, we had dreams. Um, and we hired the guy who we thought could perform the mission the best. And you know, so we still do that today, right? We still hire people. We hire our best to bring them into our Air Force. And my grandfather was the youngest candidate for this particular mission, this particular set, as a lieutenant colonel. 
commanding a, a group who was supposed to organize, train, and equip some airmen to go out and deliver nuclear weapons. And they said, well, Paul Tibbetts is, is our best. He's our best flyer, he's our proven leader, and we're gonna, we're gonna get after it as a lieutenant colonel. He was a colonel at 30 years old. So I failed in my, in my career, 30-year-old uh, colonel. But, uh, but he was picked up and said, Paul, you know, you're gonna have to go figure this out. You're gonna have to jump in and make it work, and anything you need, We'll, we'll get for you, whatever that means. We'll figure it out. But you can't tell anybody what you're doing, uh, specifically, and you can't tell them why. Uh, but that's okay, you'll figure it out. And so he did. And so the rest is history, really. Uh, this lieutenant colonel stepped in, commanded a squadron of, of fantastic aviators and maintainers and support personnel. So it was a composite group, literally, a squadron, but a group of people. And, uh, and they got after it. That's, it's a fantastic way to just lay it all out, get it all on the table right there. Uh, and I think you summed it up nicely. The rest is history, right? I think this, is, right. A, this is a story that, that many people know. And I'm really interested because you come from a unique perspective here. You, you grew up in this family, and, and maybe you didn't know your grandfather that well, and you didn't grow up knowing the story that well. But what was it like growing up in that, that storied family, uh, the Tibbetts family? I mean, what, what did you know? What kind of you know, special insights into your family's legacy uh, did you have growing up that way? Yeah, I always say families are families, right? So this is, this is interesting. This is an interesting story. Um, uh, it is true. I, I learned more about my grandfather after I decided to pursue a military career th through the Air Force Academy and then, and then onward than I do, knew before. Um, my father was Paul Tibbetts III, so, so that was one of two kids of my grandfather. The other was Gene Tibbetts. Um, and people always say, hey, did, who followed in your grandfather's footsteps before you? And interestingly enough, they both did. Uh, my father was, uh, had very, very poor eyesight, no chance to fly. But he wanted to be a military man. He wanted to serve his country. My uncle was kind of a rebel, and he wasn't a good fit for the military, uh, but he wanted to fly. So he actually ended up pursuing a career in corporate uh, aviation, commercial aviation, corporate aviation. Uh, so both of them did, in a way. Um, but. In, in my childhood, and my father, of course, telling stories, he was the oldest of the two, and he would tell stories about his experiences with my grandfather, and a lot of it was, frankly, uh, he was young, he was a teenager, he was born in 1940, and so in the war he was very young, and then, of course, after the war, as he learned about these stories, you know, he became a teenager and, he, and, and grew up in that environment, um, um, he got to listen to and experience this world through my grandfather's eyes. Something, of course, that, that is, is very unique. And so I learned that through him. And for me, it was mostly kind of an, uh, sort of an awe, like, wow, I, what does all this mean? And, and, and how, does, how does that play out in our family? And, and who is this guy? Because I didn't see him a lot as a child. Um, so, but I wanted to. Um, and it, it, but all this was happening, I had this sort of desire to serve. And, and I got involved in a lot of youth service groups and organizations through communities and churches and, and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, th so this is what I'm doing in the middle of all this and not flying at all. My father was a medic. He didn't fly. So it was interesting to try to peel this back as a youngster. But nonetheless, you can see this environment's all happening as a kid. My father's telling me some stories. Uh, I talked to my grandfather maybe at Christmas, you know, once in a while on the phone. Um, he's working. He's in his second job now. Um, after he retired from the military. So we're doing all of this. We're pursuing our, we're doing life, right? We're doing life. 
But there, I knew there was more. I wanted to know more. And so I talked to my father about it. And, but the bottom line is that, that this was kind of the environment. And then all of a sudden, my dad one day said, hey, you know, you might want to think about going into the military. I mean, you obviously want, like to serve. You spent your high school career. I was the, in Key Club. And my senior year, I was the governor for the state of Alabama Key Clubs. Um, which is uh, sponsored by Kiwanis. It's a youth version of, of Kiwanis uh, in the high schools. And my dad said, so you, you kind of see this, this service and this leadership. You know, you can do that for a living. I go, well, that might be fun. Maybe I could do that for a living. And I, I had thought about it a little bit, but I mostly thought that because I was good at math, I'd be an engineer. And I almost failed out of my engineering classes at the academy, so that didn't work out for me. So I'm glad I went the other track. Um, and my grandfather was, was nearing retirement from his second job during this time. And so we started to spend a little bit of time together. <clears throat> Went off the academy, we started to spend more time together. Excuse me. <clears throat> um, so as we started to spend more time together, I started to get to know the man and start to learn more about the man. And so that, that had a big influence on my career as I started to think about this service thing. My father's serving, my grandfather served, now I'm getting ready to serve. What can I learn from him? And so I'll, I'll stop there. But as far as a child, that's kind of how the environment shaped for me. Um, and I'll be frank with you. Um, my, a lot of what I knew came from my father, who saw it, this service in me, and my grandmother on my mom's side, who uh, introduced me to this idea about helping others. And uh, she was elderly, and she was in a nursing home, and we used to go and help. And I'm like, well, that just seems like something natural to do. Um, not necessarily as I reflect on it now, but at the time it seemed that way. So I think I, I want to pick up right where you said you were going to stop right there. You know, okay. you, we, we learned about your childhood, you know, you were slowly getting into this. All right, now I kind of, I'm learning about my grandfather. What, what was going through your head or what, at what point did you first understand and, and really truly grasp his role in history yep. and how did it make you feel when you were like oh wow I'm now in the academy I understand what this means this is a big deal yep no that's good so um, um, before I left for the Air Force Academy uh, which again as you got you got to remember and think um, all of us have our perspectives from how we grew up I grew up with a father who was a medic and he left one weekend a month and two weeks in the summer so mostly he was working in hospitals in Montgomery Alabama you know and, and I would see him leave and then come back so I didn't have this, this, this really deep understanding of, 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 of a family kind of serving because that's what I saw every day. So my grandfather came to talk to me before I left for the academy, which of course he was very excited about, as you can imagine. Uh, and I was not sure about what, how it was gonna play because I just didn't know. You know, we didn't have an internet. You know, we didn't have, uh, I'd never been to the academy. I, I, had, I had barely left Montgomery, Alabama, to be honest with you, or the state of Alabama. I was involved in Key Club, as I mentioned. Uh, so just trying to paint a picture for you, and all of a sudden I'm going to the Air Force Academy. I'm like, wow, this, well, this will be fun. Here we go. My grandfather sat me down. We had a conversation at dinner, and he said, Paul, look, you, you know, we don't, we don't know each, I mean, we know each other, but we haven't spent a lot of time together. Um, but I want to give you some advice. And I thought, well, I, this is, I want this advice, right? I want to know what, 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 uh, what my grandfather has to tell me. And he said, um, people will know you because of me. People will recognize your name. Um, they will know where it comes from and they will have an opinion based on that. And I, I thought, well, that obviously makes sense to me. Of course, he's two generations away from me as a grandfather, so they, most of them won't know him, maybe. Uh, he said, but here's what I want you to know. Y you are, uh, or you have your career in front of you. You are gonna do your thing. So just do what you do and don't worry about me and let that be your guide. And I thought, hmm, 
I'm sure there's a reason he's telling me this. It seems intuitive, right? Don't ride on someone's coattails. Be your own person. Be your own man. Seems very intuitive. I was 18 years old, and I'm not sure what, if I knew what that, all that meant at the time. I'm 51 now. I sort of get it. Um, but I took that advice and pressed on. So um, I went to the academy. People recognized the name. Paul Tibbetts. Tell me about your grandfather. I go, well, um, I'm working on that. I, I, I don't have as many stories, but I'm, I'm going to get some more. Um, but they were, most of the folks that I was surrounded by were intrigued by that, as you can imagine. And I was too. And so over those years, I got to know my grandfather. Over those years, I spent more time with him. Uh, he came out to the academy and spoke to my class. And so I started hearing the stories, right? I started really building that, that uh, kind of um, knowledge base, if you will, that experience from my grandfather. And it was interesting and probably more... Um, um, I was probably more engaged because I was older now. You know, I wasn't 10 listening to my grandfather, although that would have been great. I just didn't have as many of those opportunities, but I was now 18. And so I quickly figured out that what my grandfather was trying to tell me was, hey, um, some people will have positive opinions about this, uh, some will not. But remember that you are who you are. And I, so I took that to heart, and um, so much so that um, um, you might say that uh, to an extreme, and I just did what my grandfather told me. So I did my own thing and, and kind of pressed on from there. That changed later, by the way. So I think that's a, a really great lead into, you know, just the importance that he had in the Air Force and your career. Uh, what does it mean to you and to your family that the Air Force is, you know, taking steps, especially with this dedication today, to pay respect to, you know, not only your grandfather, but your family's legacy? Right, fair enough. So, so after <clears throat> After I started my career, started spending more time with my grandfather, I learned about this hero that I mentioned to you before. I learned about the hero, and I learned about the man, and I learned about um, just the awesome, awesome responsibility, uh, authority. Um, you know, we always say the Trinity: uh, um, uh, authority, accountability, and responsibility. We always we talk about these things, and how as a leader you need to have all that. Man, he had all of that. You know, today sometimes, you know, we, when we empower our leaders, a lot of times we tell them to do things, we don't give them the authority to get it done, right? They have to go ask for permission. They have to go up the chain, and we know the impact that that can have. Um, there's reasons for that, so I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying that's the way it is. He did not have that problem. He, he was basically told, go. When you need something, ask. Don't abuse your authority. And he would tell you, if he was sitting here, he said that was his biggest concern. He wasn't worried about getting the job done. You know, he, he was, he, uh, let's just say he was full of confidence. And, and that's exactly how I would phrase it to you, maybe some other words too. But he'd say, I'm, I was full of confidence. Uh, I knew I could get it done. Uh, but he wanted to make sure that he didn't abuse his authority and make sure that, that whatever, he, whatever happened, that he respected that because he wanted to take care of those airmen and get the job done. Uh, and he did, he did a fantastic job. You know, he really did. Um, so one thing I learned from him was this idea of making sure that no matter what position you're in and where you are uh, and what you're doing, that um, you have a role to play, a very important role to play, and you need to make sure you play it well and, and, uh, and not overstep your bounds, you know, not step out, not, not do things that, that uh, would appear to be that you're representing something other than this important mission that you've been given. My grandfather was a great example of that. I mean, to the point that um, he, he got... Uh, when, when he was dealing with the, the 509th Composite Group, he got him to a point where he, he needed support for his airmen. He told me a story one time about washers and dryers. This is, I just have to tell you this story. Um, they were set up, um, and they were on their own compound. So they, they had to, 
they had to be isolated there at Tinian and, and, and to, get, um, to maintain security. Um, so they had to have all their own support. And so his point was, look, you know, if, if I'm going to have our airmen do this and, and, and maintain this level of secrecy, right, co confidentiality that we have to maintain here uh, because of operational security, frankly, uh, because you can imagine if word got out about this mission, uh, the risks that, that could have uh, played out down the road. And so he said, I need to take care of them. I have to take, you know, my, my job is to take care of these airmen so they can take care of the mission and lead them well. Sounds familiar? Yeah. And so um, on their compound, they had everything they needed, but they had these washers and dryers that are all broken. So he put in a requisition for washers and dryers um, up the chain. And they had a code word called silver plate. That was their code word. When he needed something, he used the code word, it went up the chain. So as it went up the chain, the folks that were reviewing this, and there wasn't very many, but there were some that didn't, weren't familiar with the mission, um, they, they were um, not as interested in filling this requisition. They were, well, you got what you need there. Go, just go use it. You know, it's, it's available. Well, obviously, for the reasons that we just discussed that I just laid out, there was, this made sense. Um, so, you know, deny, deny, deny. And finally, he went to his boss and said, okay, I, tried, I did what you told me to do. I went up the chain, and they keep denying this. It gets up to the four-star who um, uh, says, um, well, um, this makes sense to me, uh, and approves the requisition, and then goes back down the chain to the people that didn't approve it, and let's just say they had a, they had a, a very difficult conversation. And so it was understood that this idea of making sure you get what you need to get your job done and not abusing your authority, it was well understood in this chain that this needed to happen. But my grandfather understood how to take care of his people, right? So secondly, I learned about taking care of people, right? I learned that, you know, that no matter what you do in the end, that your folks are relying on you to make sure they have the resources they need to get their job done and they've got top cover. So one, one, example of, one more example of how he did that was um, um, he let his folks know, look, you, all I need you to do right now is just, just maintain security and, and make sure that, that you respect um, the information that you have and that you don't talk about it outside these, these walls. And so uh, how he did that was, um, I'm not sure we could do this today, but he would, let's just say that they had people listening in on folks' conversations. So little Johnny, Airman Johnny would call home and his wife was pregnant, she'd have a baby named, you know, little Johnny, right? And uh, so my grandfather told me a story one time that this exactly happened, that one of his, uh, one of his, uh, one of his troops actually had called home, his wife had been, been pregnant and had a baby. And so uh, as soon as they hung up the phone, my grandfather went and found him and, and, and tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, congratulations on the birth of your son. Now, how would he know that, right? Well, so everybody learned pretty quick, hey, we just need to behave and keep our mouths shut. You know, that was just, he didn't do anything wrong. It was just, it was just a clear message. And you, you think that traveled fast throughout the compound? Yeah, absolutely. So I learned about a, compa a guy who was a, uh, he was a warfighter to beat all warfighters. He understood the importance of the mission, and mission is, is job one. But he also understood how to take care of people. He also understood how to, how to make sure that, that they knew that he had their back. And that's a powerful combination. So as I heard story after story after story from my grandfather, they all resonated. And then I had people that would come up to me and go, you know your grandfather, man, he was, he was a fantastic leader. You know, he wasn't all squishy, huggy, feely, touchy, but he was a great leader. And he understood uh, how to take care of the mission, take care of us. And I'd work for him any day. I never had, a, uh, I was never confused as to what he expected from us. And I always knew he would take care of us. And so what do I think about today and this, this awesome opportunity to recognize the Tibbetts family? I think that it's, it's one more step towards trying to, to recognize and honor our heroes from the past and tell those stories to our airmen today, right? So they understand 
that look, um, history is fantastic. I mean, you have to study it in school. You know, we make you study it in school. You have to take history classes. We don't give you heritage classes, right? There's, there's not a heritage class per se. So history will make you smarter, and, and we desperately want our, our, our leaders, you know, as they grow up, to be smarter and to understand and learn the lessons from the past. But we also want them to be passionate about what they're doing and understand those heroes that have come before them. And there's, you just got to work that. That doesn't come just naturally. We have, we're a young service, I mean, compared to the other services. And we need to tell our story. And we have so many good stories, so many heroes. And so it's our job to tell the story. So the leaders here, the folks that have put this on, I mean, they get that, right? They understand that. They understand that, hey, we need to put the effort into this because here's the payback. The payback is we have airmen who are inspired, who want to actually uh, live up to those ideals of, of that kind of service from those kind of people doing those really Im important things. And then they can tell those stories. And then those stories stay alive. Because when they do, then we puff up our chest a little bit, right? We stand a little taller. Um, we respect and that weight on our shoulders of that service that we now we're providing uh, from those great heroes that came before us. The thing that is most impressive to me or the most um, interesting to me about this conversation that we're having here is I came in here and you know I expect you to talk about how great the mission was and the thing was and, and the impact that your grandfather had on history and we just spent the last 20 minutes talking about your grandfather's character and who he was as a person, who he was as a leader. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think you're passionate about that. I'm, I'm amped up about it. Um, what kind of legacy as you move toward retirement do you hope to lead, uh, leave on the command and on the Air Force and on the airmen that you've interacted with? Yeah, that's fair. So, um, simply, I mean, it's, this is really, it's an easy question to answer. Um, you know, worked with, with, with some great equipment, right? Some great machines. I've been to some pretty, really cool places, actually. Uh, but I, but I would hope. What I want people to remember from Paul Tibbetts IV is the impact they had on them as, 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 as servants. You know, the impact that I had on them for, for their service. Uh, and, I, and I mean that as sincerely as I can say it. So, hey, General Tibbetts was there and he helped me personally be as effective as I could to get my job done for whatever that impact was for them. That's what I want them to remember. Um, we'll get the job done, right? If we don't, we, get, we, have, we have to go, right? Some people call that getting fired. So we'll get the job done, right? All of us will, because we raise our right hand, we say, hey, we're gonna get the job done. So I know our airmen will get the job done, right? I know they will. And if they don't, then we can, we can work through that. But, but I want them to get the job done, knowing that they've had leaders, people they've worked with, peers, and subordinates who were there to help them along the way. That, that's what I want folks to remember. Hey, it's about you. It's about you, our airmen. And it's about the service that you've volunteered to do, by the way, a little bit different maybe than my grandfather's day and, um, and others, and others. but um, they volunteered to do this. And I just want to know that, hey, I got your back. And uh, I am here to individually and collectively, you know, make sure that you've got what you need and that this is important, right? That's, that's the other thing, that, that what you're doing is really important. You know, we, we've got, you know, over 300,000 airmen if you add our civilians in, we're up to 600,000 folks, you know, total. That's a lot of people, right? But every one of them matters and every one of them is important. And if we're not helping them understand how important they are to this mission as leaders, then, then we need to reflect on what we're doing because um, I've seen it happen. When they see that they've got what they need to get their job done and they know that what they're doing is important, man, the sky's the limit. 
the sky's the limit. They'll, they'll get after it and they'll make it happen. And they'll, they'll surprise you every time in a very, very good way. Right? They'll just go. That's what you want. Appreciate it, General. Thank sure. you so much for spending time with us today. You're welcome. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys.